say faith? Faith. Now, the second week, last week, we talked about community. Can you say community? Community. And then this week, we're talking about evangelism. Can you say evangelism? Evangelism. And then next week, we're talking about worship. These are kind of the core values of the church. And for those of you who are coming to the membership class on Saturday, um, uh, shameless plug here, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the core values of the church. So, faith, community, evangelism, and worship. Can you guys say it with me? Faith? Faith. Community? Community. Uh, evangelism? Worship. One more time. Faith. Faith. Community. Evangelism. Work. Worship. And so these are our, our four core values. And so today specifically, we're going to take a, a couple moments and we're going to be talking about evangelism. And for those of you who don't know, if you look this up online, if you look this up uh, in West, the Webster's Dictionary, an evangelism or evangelist means a zealous advocate for a cause. And the gospel means the good news. And so I don't know if you realize this this morning, but we are called to be zealous advocates for the good news, which is exciting, right? Did you know that you have some good news this morning? Yeah. Amen. Did you know that God is calling you to be proclaimers of hope, and he is calling you to be proclaimers of the gospel this morning? No one? Okay. Go ahead. I don't know if you realize this, but we are all lost sinners. And God sent His Son so that whoever believes in Him should not perish and have everlasting life. And so we are to be zealous advocates for the cause. And so uh, this message isn't just for, for me. It's not just for you. It's not just for your friends. It's not just for your co-workers. Listen, but it's for you and for your children and all of our often back in Scripture, it says. We are to be zealous advocates for the cause. Zealous advocates for the good news. Now... Um, we do a couple of um, things here at the church where we do outreaches, we do corporate evangelism. We have our famous lot party, Love on Taylor, which we do every summer, and we get Batman to come, and we get uh, Catwoman to come, and we get some other fun characters to come. We just love on people in the community, and so we have, um, you know, we, we have we have that. We also have our um, our back to school. So that's our back to school, our lot party. We also have our trunk retreat that we do over at the VFW. Um, we also do our Diamond River Foster Closet um, partnership every December for Christmas where we help needy kids. And so we have we have different ways, we have different uh, things that we do uh, as far as outreach and as far as corporate evangelism. You know, if you're maybe a little bit newer to the church, you might not know about the things that we do. We kind of, you know, it's funny, I look at our calendar and actually our calendar is pretty similar every year. We kind of have the same things and so those are the things that we're trying to perfect, and those are the things that we're trying to improve on. So we have different things that we do for outreach corporately. But you know what's interesting? I remember um, a few years ago, um, actually this was probably maybe, okay, we were still in Illinois. So in Illinois, I remember we were at a pastor's thing for the district, and they uh, gave us a study. And um, essentially what they did is that they had all the churches in Illinois and they calculated, uh, I guess all the churches throughout the year had put in their numbers on how many people had gotten saved over all of the, uh, over all of these numbers of God churches in all of Illinois, which is quite a few churches. And I don't remember the number. Let's just say it was like, I don't know, like 10,000 people. So there was a bunch of people that, that, that took their next step to, to get saved in the, in the state of Illinois, which is great. So, you know, yeah, we can praise the Lord for that. Awesome, awesome. So they showed us the statistic and... All the pastors were kind of cheering and excited, and we're like, oh my goodness, like, that's amazing, look at these numbers, this is fantastic, and so we were, all those pastors were high-fiving each other and fist-bumping each other, I, we, were, we 
were all going to have to see it. We were all going to have to pull. And, um, and then we flipped the page. And on the next page, um, it showed the growth of the churches in Illinois over the same year. And so you would think that the churches would see an increase in all these salvations that we saw. But there was actually a decline in the number of people that had actually gotten plugged in and had gotten connected with churches. And so, you know, I think corporate evangelism is very important. I think outreaches are very important. But that's not specifically what I'm going to be talking about today. Because I believe that the most effective type of evangelism is relational evangelism. It's, it's, it's where there's something one-on-one, where there's a connection. Um, I, have a, I have a buddy who is really big into evangelism. He's, a, he's kind of an evangelist. And he was telling me, I was talking kind of about some of our different things that we've done, and I was like, you know, we, we do these events every year, which is cool, which is awesome, which is needed and, and beneficial, and it's a huge blessing. But I was like, we haven't actually seen a ton of fruit from our efforts. And one of the things that he said is, he said, listen, he's like, when someone's able to make a friend with someone else, when someone's able to make a connection with someone else, that's where true evangelism and discipleship starts. And so I think sometimes we think, I, well, the reason I tell you the story is because I don't want us to think of evangelism as being an event. I don't want us to think of it as being, oh, you know, we're going to do our love on Taylor party. We're going to bless a bunch of kids that come in. We're going to, I mean, it is, that is an event. But I want us to more, more or less think of evangelism as more than that. I want us to think of evangelism as a lifestyle that we have. I want us to think of evangelism as a personal dialogue that we have with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers. With, uh, I mean, so some of you guys don't have to go very far to find someone who is lost and in need of hope. Amen? Some of you guys don't have to go very far at all to realize that, man, there we are surrounded by people that are lost and are destined for, for hell. And so we are called to be zealous advocates of the good news. And so that's, that's not just a, a, you know, a couple times a year thing, but that's a daily call that God has called us to, to be evangelists, to be people that go out and seek and save the lost, right? Like, we're not just supposed to sit back and, you know, sit in our chair and do our thing. And just, but God has called us to seek and save the lost. And so, um, so that's really what I'm kind of pushing towards today. And so, just, we're, we're not talking about outreach specifically today, but we're talking about something much deeper today. And so, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. And, and, and and I'm going to give you a little bit of context for the passage so that you can um, appreciate the content. But um, Peter here was writing, uh, the Peter the disciple was uh, writing this letter, they think around 65 AD during the reign of Nero. Um, for those of you who don't know your history, we don't know too much about him from the Bible, but if you look and you read your history, Nero was actually kind of an insane person. He essentially was paranoid and he liked to kill people that were in, that were, that were in uh, opposite side of him. Uh, he killed his wife, he killed his mother, he killed his stepbrother, he killed his own son. Um, when Rome burned in 64 AD, Nero blamed the Christians. And so, again, he was just kind of insane. And so, um, he started persecuting the Christians in 64 AD, which would have been right around the time that Peter penned his book and um, it's crazy. I actually found this quote from 
uh, Tacitus, he said uh, that he uh, covered with uh, covered with the skin of beasts, Christians. They were torn apart by dogs and perished, or, or, they, or they were nailed to crosses, or doomed to flames and burned to serve as nightly illumination when daylight had expired. And so it was said that he would actually find Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, and he would take them and he would light them and he put them in his garden to provide light in his garden at night. So this guy was insane. So if you can imagine with me for a moment um, what it was like for the church at the time. They were facing all sorts of persecution. They were facing all sorts of trials. They were facing all sorts of all sorts of incredible hardships. And, um, and, and, and it would have been very difficult to be a Christian. I mean, you think we face persecution now? Go back then and imagine um, someone uh, inquiring if you were a follower of Jesus, and if you if you said yes, um, you could most likely die or be burned or tore apart by dogs. Or, and so Nero was was crazy. So here, here Peter is, and he is writing to the church. And I think it's interesting to note that that, that Peter was someone that was familiar with persecution. He was someone that had been beaten, he had been threatened, he'd been punished and jailed for the for the word of God, and he. He knew what it was like to endure bitterness um, without losing hope. Amen? And so uh, he was a man of great faith. And so I'm just going to read a, a couple of verses here. And then we're going to kind of dive into, um, I think, what God has for us this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, uh, verse 13, I'm reading out of the NIV, it says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Uh, do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. So you can tell, again, the church was going through some, they're going through some difficulties here. And he's, he's trying to encourage them. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if, you should, even if you should suffer for what's right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And, and this is kind of where we're going to uh, launch our, our uh, message today. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I'm just going to read it again from verse 15. It says, But in your hearts, revere. I think um, a better translation than revere, your, your Bible might say, sanctify. Sanctify Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason or to give a defense for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ Jesus may be ashamed of their slander. Lord, I just pray this morning again that you speak to us and that you minister to us, Father. I pray that your word comes alive in our hearts and that your word just uh, does... It's working us, Father. I pray uh, for um, for those who are here this morning. You know, maybe they've never uh, heard the good news of the message of the kingdom, Father. And I, I pray that uh, Your Word will speak to them extra special this morning, and that they will come into a, a living uh, hope this morning. They'll come into a living relationship with You, Father. I pray um, that You'll strengthen us and embolden us. I know um, some of us here this morning have maybe faced persecution for our faith. Or maybe we're here this morning and um, we've never, every time an opportunity has come for us to make a defense, 
you step back, Father, and I, I pray that you will embolden us and that you will see evangelism as not merely an event, but that we'll see it as a lifestyle that God has called us to, to a to hope that has called us to, God. We are meant to be a zealous advocates for the good news, Father, and I just ask that you minister to us this morning in your holy name. Amen. So, so, so Peter is talking, and um, he's talking about, you know, people that are going to harm them. And um, it's interesting because he, he says, do not worry. Do good in, in the midst of persecution. Do good. In fact, if you go earlier in the text, you can see that he says, be compassionate, uh, love, be tenderhearted, don't return evil for evil. Um, do good. Um, and you shouldn't have to worry. Don't be afraid. But, but then he says in verse uh, 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as, as Lord. Again, kind of a more literal translation of that is set apart um, or sanctify uh, Christ as Lord. Sancti- and sanctify means to set apart. I don't know if you realize this this morning, but, but, but really the, the first step in uh, defending your faith, the first step in becoming an evangelist for the gospel is, um, it is having a, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It's to set apart um, Christ as Lord in your hearts. Uh, he is to be number one in your hearts. He is to be the focus. He is to be the prize. He is to, he is to be our desire. He is supposed to be the, the, the one on the throne of your hearts. He is to be the primary place of worship in our hearts. See, like, I almost have to be like, if you have, like, tunnel vision, and he is the one that we see. Like, when, I don't know if you've, you've ever been in a relationship before, and it's it's exciting, and it's new, and it's, you know, maybe it's not new, maybe it's old, whatever, like, like, like you're in this relationship, and everything, like, it seems like everything in your life is focused around this. Like, that's supposed to be our relationship with the Lord. He's supposed to be our focus. He's supposed to be our prize. He's supposed to be uh, the. He's supposed to be our desire. He's supposed to be on the throne of our hearts. He's supposed to be set apart from everything else in our life. Doesn't that explain what being a Christian really is all about? If anyone were to come after me, he must deny himself. He must pick up his cross, and he must follow me. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is our desire. He's supposed to be on the throne of our heart. And I think I think it's interesting because often I, I think that that when 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 troubles come, if Jesus is not the focus, we see that people often fall away. We see this in the, in the parable of the sower and the seed. Like, if Jesus is not the, the focus, we eventually fall away. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It's, it's the first thing we're to do. We want to be um, zealous advocates for the cause. And then he goes on to say, always be prepared. Man. Can you say always be prepared? Always be prepared. Always be prepared. I, I read that, and I, I, I thought perhaps, I thought perhaps the, the translators got it wrong. And so I spent much time, I went back into the Greek, and I searched the Greek, and I, 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 I read the words, 
And what I found is when I went back to the Greek, um, it actually is translated, always be prepared. <laughs> so, uh, always be prepared. Always be ready. Putting, I, I kind of I I wonder, putting myself in the shoes of the first century church, um, facing persecution, seeing their leaders being burned at the stake. Um, I can imagine um, just all the hardships and the trials that they were facing, having lots of fear, fear of what was going to happen, fear of the future. And I think fear is, 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 is always a strong motivator to move someone into the shadows. Fear is a reason for us to be silent. Fear is a reason for us to be, fear is crippling. And so it, I think it's interesting that he's saying, always be prepared. And, and Paul is telling his list, I, I, guess, I guess it's one thing, the other thing that I find interesting is, is, is Paul is telling his listeners, I, I think it's one thing to survive persecution, like that's, that's great, but Paul says, I want you to survive, but at the same time, I want you to reach them with the gospel through gentleness and respect. It's one thing to fight the enemy, but I think it's another thing altogether to convert the enemy. In fact, if you look from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 1 Peter chapter 3, um, verses 12, Peter talks about all kinds of relationships, and he shows, like, and he talks about all sorts of all sorts of all sorts of relationships, and he talks about relationships that we have um, in our society. And, and really, from 1 Peter chapter 2 through 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he's speaking that we have to live uh, uh, evangel evangelistically. And I would say that the purpose of every relationship is for us to proclaim the excellence of the one who has called us out, out of darkness into his glorious light. I think sometimes I look at the world, and I think to myself, man, why is the world the way that it is? I look at the world, and I look at um, the attack on honesty, and I look at the attack on dignity, and I look at the attack on morality, and I look on the attack of the family, and I look at the attack of just all the things that are happening, and I, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I look at the, the elevation of moral perversion, and I look at all the horrors of, of, of terrorism and the escalation of crime, and I, I see all these things, and I think, I think the, 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 the world has done a good job of, of, of putting us against them, where it's like, you see something, and you know what, that's them, this is us, this is us. I don't know, have you guys seen this, this great divide? Like, there's like no middle ground anymore. It's like, it's like the good, the bad, the good, the bad, the Democrats, the Republicans, like it's just like extremes on both sides. And I think sometimes it becomes easy for us to, um, I don't know, I, I, I think we can't cross the line where our resentment becomes a resentment of people who are captive to the kingdom of darkness and promoting that because, um, because our purpose for being here is evangelistic. Does that make sense? Like I think sometimes our resentment becomes so strong that we see people as being so far gone lost. You think these people, you think about these, you think about these people in this passage, and they were being persecuted, they were being burned, they were being uh, ripped apart by dogs, um, they were facing intense persecution. And look at Peter's response. 
doesn't say, um, uh, you know, load your shotgun. Well, like, he, he, he says, uh, he, his, his answer is very simple. And he points, them, he, he points them to the hope of Jesus Christ. He points them to the hope of Jesus Christ. I would say that there's, there's no one who's too far gone. Always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give a hope for the reason that you have. You know, I, we take a, as a kid, um, as, as a young child, I remember, um, we would go up to, I grew up in Minnesota, and we would go up to northern Minnesota every year, we'd rent a cabin, and um, I, think I, I think I was probably in junior high. And um, we rent a cabin, and we did this since I was a young kid. But we'd go up there, and we would uh, we'd rent a cabin, we'd, uh, we'd have a little, uh, a little aluminum boat, we'd take around, we'd go fishing. Um, we'd stay there for a couple weeks, every single summer. And uh, there, was a, there was a small town nearby called Reamer, Reamer, Minnesota, just a super small town. Uh, a bunch of hillbillies lived there. And uh, so just a, just a small town, a small lake that we would stay at. And um, I remember when I was, um, again, I think it was about junior high, um, I had a friend, and I was kind of sheltered, okay? So I was homeschooled, and my only, really my only social outlet when I was younger was church. So church and Bible quizzing, and so I just assumed that everyone thought the same way that I did. I thought that everyone believed the same way that I did. I thought everyone loved the Lord, and I thought everyone... Um, was uh, part of the Assemblies of God, like myself. I thought that everyone was cool like me, and I thought everyone, you know, I just, I assumed that everyone was the same way. I, I hadn't really experienced much. And um, I remember when, uh, when, about in junior high, uh, there was, because we always went up the same year, every single year, and other people took vacations the same time every year. And in junior high, I remember talking to one of my friends that I met up there, I started talking to him, and he he told me that he was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, uh, we started talking, and I remember that was one of the very first times that my faith was challenged. And um, he said, you believe in the Bible? I believe in the Bible, too. And we started talking, and he started giving me Bible verses, and I was like, oh my, like, I, 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 I like, what you're saying makes sense. And, but I've never had anyone challenge me uh, with my faith before. And I remember I, I talked to him, and, um, and he'd say some stuff, and I'd be like, that doesn't sound right. And then I'd, I'd go home, and I'd, I'd go back to the cabin, and I'd talk to my parents, and I'd get in the Bible, and I'd start studying. And then I'd go back to him again, and he, we would start talking again, and he'd say something else, and I'd be like, I don't know if that sounds right. So I'd go back, and I'd talk to my parents again, and, I read my Bible again, and I started trying to like figure out like like okay is, is this is this like is what I believe really what I believe because of what I believe, or is it because of some someone else told me, or like is it, is is this is my friend right? And I remember really wrestling with my faith and really struggling with my faith and, and trying to figure out exactly what I believe because I've never really been challenged before, and um. I don't, I don't know if you've been there before or you've, you've gotten to a spot in your life where you're, it's like someone asks you something and you, you, you try to figure it out and you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to struggle with it. You're trying to 
work against it. And I think I think those things can be really helpful for us. I think those things can be really um, uh, important for us. And again, I remember going to the Word and studying and coming back and speaking to him again, again and going to the Word again and studying again and then going back again and talking to him. And then I can remember in college, when I was in college, I can remember having late night, late night talks about theology and being challenged. And I can remember, you know, talking through, you know, okay, so 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 this is this is what justification is, and this is what sanctification is, and this is what glorification is, and this is pre-trip stuff, this is post-trip stuff, uh, this is this, this is what grace is, this is what you know, and just just like trying to work all these things out. And you know, I, I would say that um, God has called us to love Him with all of our mind, and He's called us not to check our brains out at the door, and. Um, we're to work out our salvation with, with fear and trembling, and we're to reason and study God's word, and it's to be our guide, and it's to, um, and we're to be led by the, by the Holy Spirit. And, and so, 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 so I think sometimes when it comes to sharing our faith, we think that maybe we have to have all the answers. In fact, when we read this passage of scripture, we think, oh my goodness, I have to have a defense. And we, we do have to have a defense. And I think it's good to get involved in scripture, and it's good to search scripture, and it's good to, to find all those answers. But I think when you when you look more simply at the passage, look at look at it closer. It says, "Praise be to God, Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy." Oh no no no! I'm sorry. It says, "But, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. To give a to, for, to give a reason for the hope that you have. And you might say this morning, okay, so." So, so, so what is that hope? And if you go back earlier in 1 Peter chapter 1, he references that hope. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, listen, the hope that you have, like, like you need to, like, so it's great to go and study and find out about justification, sanctification, glorification. You can go and you can search all these things and you can study all these things. But, 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 um, really, our, our, our crux is we need to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have. Giving a reason for the hope that you have. Now that could be a huge and a, an enormous explanation or that could be something very simple. You know, I've seen people that have come to a relationship with the Lord one Sunday and they come back next Sunday and they brought a friend with them. Because they realized that when I came, I found some hope here. And it wasn't a dead hope but it was a living hope. It wasn't something that was fake but it was something that was real. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge... And I'm saying that today because God has called every single one of us to be zealous advocates for the cause. You don't have to know about all the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. You don't have to know about the four doctrines of the cardinal mean, although it's great if you do. But God has called every single one of us to be zealous advocates for the cause. You know, our, 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 our faith is meant to be defensive, it's meant to be, we have to be defenders of our faith, but also our faith is meant to be uh, offensive in the sense that when God, when I said, therefore, go, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I'm with you even to the very end of the age. You don't have to have all the answers to be an advocate for the cause. Like you can study and you can wrestle with it, which is good and healthy and fantastic. But we are to be proclaimers of hope. Proclaimers of the living hope. And as the worship team comes back at this morning. Why doesn't everyone stand up with me as well? My prayer this morning is that God places just one person on your heart. Just one person. Maybe it's a person that you have been uh, kind of resentful towards. Maybe it's a person that you work with. Maybe it's someone that's in your family. Maybe it's someone um, that you just met. My prayer is that God places just one person on your heart this morning. And my prayer is that you can be a conveyor of hope to that person. This that you can be a conveyor of hope to that person. God, I just thank you that we have this time to come together this morning. God, I thank you that we have the good news of the message of the kingdom. God, I, I thank you that um, you have given us all hope. It's not a dead hope, but it's a living hope. It's something that we can hold on to. It's something that's firm. It's something that's secure. It's something that keeps us stable. It's a living hope. We don't have to have all the answers. But God, you have called us to be obedient to your call. I just pray this week as we go about our, our business that, that we are focused on you, that we set apart you, that we sanctify ourselves uh, to you as Lord. I pray that you will open up God-ordained opportunities for us to be conveyors of hope to the people around us, Father. Pray that you speak to us. Pray that you minister to us as we sing this song one last time. May we glorify.